Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Drunk Art Review with me, Jenny Kemp. And me, Rosie Alexander! <laughs> and uh, by the time you listen to this, our first episode will have already gone up, so we yeah. hope you enjoyed it. Yeah. Um, there will be a little bit more structure to this week's episode, now we know what we're doing. Yeah, we feel a little bit more planned. I mean, we spent all today going through what we really wanted to do. Hopefully that structure sticks. <laughs> yeah, and we're not quite as drunk as last week. I mean, we're having a drink. A bit more mellow this time. Mm, chilled out. <laughs> the funny thing is, as well, is that um, we don't drink that much, do we? We were no. discussing this earlier. And we were thinking how, because we're doing this drunk podcast, people are going to think we're absolutely like slaughtered every weekend. But it's not the case. No, this is actually just a nice excuse for us to get together and have a drink. Um, Jenny brought over some Bormer's pear cider, but she didn't really like it, so she's she's drinking a very... Porous dark fruit. A very buxom. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the reason being, because when I was in the corner shop buying my cider, I picked up some old mooth which looked delicious, and then after I paid, I realised it was non-alcoholic, and I thought, well, there's no need for that now, is there? So I just picked up the Bulmers. I've never had pear Bulmers even before. And it's all right, and I'm sure by the time I finish this Taurus dark fruit that I traded Rosie for a Bulmers, um, I won't care what the Bulmers taste like, so that's yeah, fine. Yeah, I'm sure it'll go uh, straight to the good spot, and everything yeah. will be great after that. And you're drinking one of the pear Bulmers, and then I believe you have a beer for later, so... <laughs> My fabulous uh, beer for later is called Show Off by Camden Brewery. Same. <laughs> I think it's lovely. Oh, oh it's, it's such a great design. Um, what, what, I'd like what? to point out it says Juicy Lager on the bottom. Oh yeah. Mm. <laughs> anyway, right, so this episode is all about Valentine's, because obviously Valentine's would have been yesterday, if you guys are listening today, in podcast land, because mm. obviously today isn't today for us, it's today for you. It's like the <laughs> magic of time travel. Yeah, yeah. So, I uh, I was kind of, I was looking into the deep depths of where Valentine's comes from. Mm. And do you know like the actual origins of it? I have a feeling it's probably quite dark. Offhand, I always kind of thought, oh yeah, Valentine's is always a bit dark. There was one guy who like killed another guy. But actually, <laughs> um, it's uh, it comes from like Roman times, mm. right? So they had this feast called Lupercalia. Okay. I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing that right. Who knows? You had a go. So that's um, and basically, it was this giant feast, and they had it between February the 13th to the 15th. I always kind of find it amazing that they knew what sort of month and day everything was back then. Um, <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I kind of figured they're just like, you know, they, they had sundials and like, I'm pretty sure, you know, I mean, they weren't stupid people. They invented plumbing. Yeah, like, this, essentially. Yeah, this is, this and central heating. I mean, they're quite clever people. I mean, think of the like army tactics. Well, and... you see how I think about it is like me in Roman times. If I was to go back We'd to Roman times. Yeah, I, yeah, exactly. We'd be plebs. I wouldn't know what time of day it was by looking at the sky. I'd be actually, like, you would, because if we were actually in Rome, our skin tone, we would be, <laughs> we would be sunburned if it was the middle of the day, because it would be the hottest time. Oh, that, yeah. would, that would be how we would tell what time of day it was. Because it would work. That would work on the first day, and then every day after that, we'd just think it was like high noon. Yeah. Because <laughs> we're so pale and so so burnt. But yeah, so they had this feast, mm -hmm. and it would go on for about two, three days. Mm -hmm. But then. Men would sacrifice one goat and one dog. I didn't know if that was like per person who was like doing it. That's a hell well, of a they, that's a hell of a lot of animals. Whether it was like a joint and, thing. And then they decided to um it was like part of the festival. They would then whip or hit women with the fresh 
hides of all the animals that they just like slaughtered. And women would like line up for this shit. That's some kinky stuff, <laughs> Jesus. Because <laughs> they, because the women, they thought it would like make them fertile and have like more babies and no. stuff. No, they so, were just into some weird shit back then. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, they didn't, they didn't have Netflix, so like they got bored easily. <laughs> they couldn't Netflix and chill. Yeah, but, so they, they, you know, yeah. they, uh, they uh, sacrificed goats and got their butts whipped. You know, such weird mythologies of. Mm. I really see. Like, yeah, they could tell the the time from the sun, but they couldn't. They were like, oh yeah, I'm gonna whip you with a bit of hide and you'll have a baby. Like, no, that's just, <laughs> that was just some bullshit excuse because for the night, some horny priest was just like, I need an excuse to touch a woman. Let's yeah, let's go ride. <laughs> so, so just, do you know that's all it was? <laughs> so that was kind of like um, some weird Roman priest. Yeah, yeah. So that kink. that that went on, but that was a festival, mm-hmm. right? Before that, in the third century. In Rome, of course, because everything was going on in Rome, Emperor Claudius II mm-hmm. executed two guys right. who were both called uh, Valentine. Right. But not at the same time. On the same day, actually, but not at the same year. Wait. Oh, right, okay. So then a Pope Galasius meshed the festival with the deaths. Over time, weird. over time, people just sort of romanticised it. And then obviously, like, when William Shakespeare came along, he was like, oh, I'm going to make this into this wonderful thing. And it just got, like, more and more into what it is today. So, like, almost in the sense that the way uh, Queen Victoria, for example, wore a white wedding dress, and now we all wear white wedding dresses, William Shakespeare wrote about Valentine's in such a way that has made it the modern-day equivalent, and, like, Coca-Cola, for example, (laughs) is the reason Santa is red now. So it was kind of like that. It became something else because of this one person, in a sense. Absolutely. Now, I'm, like, all down for some kinky shit and that. But we're both dog lovers, so if you go around sacrificing dogs or goats Hell for that no. matter, if you go around sacrificing these animals just for your Valentine, then I would, yeah, I think you need to go and see someone for some help. <laughs> I, yeah. I would be, I would be questioning the sanity of that in present day society. La- ladies or gents, um, if somebody turns up at your front door with a bouquet of flowers and a sacrificed goat, shut the door. <laughs> shut the door. Just say no. Mm-hmm. Just say no to that shit. <laughs> So yeah, that's where Valentine's comes from. Oh. Um, I I honestly thought it was something else. Yeah, I kind of had this weird feeling that maybe it was to do with, like Greek mythology and Cupid. And yeah. I kind of thought that, and I knew it was going to be dark. I didn't know it was going to be weird. <laughs> I, <laughs> yeah, I know, real weird. Yeah. Uh, they had a big thing about like fertility though, didn't they? They yeah. really wanted everyone to, be you know, fertile. Well, they'd have like pillars and carvings with giant losers. Mm. <laughs> We're talking wangs. I haven't had enough alcohol to really uh, divulge like I was last week with... I don't need alcohol to divulge like that, folks. You'll understand that if you know me personally. Mm. Um, I can talk about this stuff in the middle of a Wednesday completely sober. Um, But that's just how inappropriate I am, let's be perfectly honest. Oh, yeah, yeah. I really wish I knew... um, I researched into where Cupid came from. He's the son of... Oh, I was reading about it the other day. I always get him mixed up. He's either Greek or Roman because I get him mixed up with Eros. He's the son of a... What was the goddess of, like, the beautiful... Is it Venus or something? Venus would have been um, Roman. So it was the Greek equivalent. Yeah. I can't think of her name off the top of my head, but basically... And then he was in love with this girl that was meant to be more beautiful than 
his mother and then she was punished. It's another love story. We'll get into it in another podcast. It's quite oh, interesting. I love that. I love um, these stories. Yeah, so when we were doing research for this episode, um, oh, God. we decided... <laughs> so, so last week, right, uh, we... When we were doing the podcast, we both realised we had the exact same image and uh blew my mind. Um, well, it just goes to show what good friends we are. Oh, yeah. We think in a similar way. Yeah, we, we, we knew where, where it was going. Um, and it happened again this week. We were discussing like what theme we wanted to do. And as we were walking our dogs today, we, we didn't quite want to divulge what we were going to talk but, about. But, but giving hints, weren't we? Just to check yeah. that, you know, we weren't too similar. And then... I said something, and then she said something, and we were like, oh, my heart, oh my god, we did it again? So we decided to blend that together. So we're both going to do something, digress from one to the other, but mm. in a similar theme. Because what had happened was, we hadn't picked the same art piece, but we yeah, picked the, the same historical, and I do this with air quotes, love story, <laughs> um, because there are different interpretations of it, and we'd mm. somehow picked the same story, although you'd already planned to do a sculpture, and I was going to do a painting, wasn't I? Yes. So you're still doing the sculpture, uh-huh. and originally I thought I'd maybe do a Renaissance painting. So to actually contrast Rosie's choice of the sculpture, I've actually chosen to go super modern and choose something that was done within the last ten years that reflects that story, so that we can actually compare and see like the contradictions and yeah. the differences between how those stories were interpreted when it was relevant then and how it sort of is seen now and romanticised now. So yeah, Definitely. should be an interesting episode. All right. Well, shall we? Shall we go on to the first? Yeah, the first art it, piece. Take it away, Rosie yeah. Alexander. Okay. So, with our theme being love stories and us inadvertently choosing the same love story, air quotes. Oh my god! How did we do that? I decided to go with a wonderful, ah, oh, like a wonderful piece of sculpture. It's beautiful. It's. It captured me from the moment I saw it, and it's a piece by Benini, mm-hmm. and it's called The Rape of Proserpina? I pronounce it so badly. Basically, I've got... Oh, is that I, one of her alternative names? Yeah. I see, see, this is I the think thing. I read that when I was doing research this, on these. This is what enlightened me when I was like, oh my god, I had this like brain explosion, because whereas you were saying, uh, how are you pronouncing it? Uh, okay, so... <laughs> <laughs> the name the name of this goddess is actually Persephone. Persephone, but, that's but, it. But to remember how to spell it, yeah, it's like I uh, say Persephone because I always <laughs> get an O and an E in the wrong place. So I say Persephone, yeah. so I spell it correctly, but it's pronounced Persephone. Mm. Although she has an alternative name as well, well, this is this is what I'm talking about. Mm. See, I um I knew that we were talking about the same story. I didn't know until I sat down at the computer and I was like. Like researching it, mm. and I was like, "Why are the names different?" And then I, I just went down the rabbit hole, mm. and I realized that these names, Greek mythology, amazing, right? Seriously but, complicated. Though. Yeah, really complicated. We'll get um, into that later. <laughs> and, Bit weird in And they, they, they had you know, uh, Hades, Zeus, Demeter, all these amazing. Oh, you can really mm. hear that. Um, these amazing names, but. When the Romans came along, they were like, right, so we've got this other way of thinking. And they just kind of merged in. And whereas before, they had these priests and priestesses being completely enamoured and and worshipping. You're really enjoying that, aren't you? I just finished it. (laughs) Sorry, it was that last bit of of the... When you get to the bottom of the can, there's that weird bitter taste, isn't there? I don't know why. Yeah. No, no, that's fine. 
So yeah, when it was uh, just Grecian people around, mm-hmm. they they had a temple for Persephone. But when the Romans were coming in, they were like, well, actually, we want to infiltrate you guys by transforming your name of gods into what we sort of perceive. And ironically, you can kind of see mm. their forward thinking, because they were thinking about the planets. They were thinking about mm. science at the very early stages. Yeah. So they were thinking, oh yeah, well, Zeus has to be Jupiter and... Hades has to be Pluto. Mm. So when I was looking at this beautiful sculpture of Benini, I was like, why is it Pluto holding on to her? It didn't occur to me that the story translates for it to being Hades. Mm. Um, so anyway, I went down the rabbit hole and there was just a whole movement where actually it was only priestesses who mm. were allowed to be in the temples. I see. Yeah, so um, it was this huge uh, appreciation, of almost like back then the suffragette. Okay. <laughs> so weird. They were really boosting up this idea of female identity. Okay. Because obviously we're kind of talking about love stories, but mm. and it is a love story, but for it to be called the rape, it has that darker side of things. Mm. Because in history, they would have that regularly in stories, wouldn't they? I mean, hence the air quotes earlier in yeah, the episode when yeah. I love story, air quotes. Because <laughs> there's some dark stuff that goes on in here. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, the story, obviously, Hades, mm-hmm. which is Pluto. Hades agrees with Zeus that he can marry one of his daughters, which is Persephone. <laughs> um, and knowing that Dermata... Or would, Dementor. Dementor. <laughs> Dementor. Dementor. <laughs> Harry Potter, yay! Knowing that she would not adhere to this Mm. marriage, Zeus came up with this plan of go find her when they've come down to Earth. And when Demeter is uh, flourishing the land with her bosom of love, you know, because she was the fertility and the harvest goddess and everything like that. You know, she she made everything. She made things grow, flowers and plants and prosper. Yeah. So when Persephone was (laughs) was being uh, looked after by essentially nymphs. Yeah, I've yeah. this version of the story. Um, they were water nymphs, weren't they? A giant crack happens mm-hmm. in the earth, yep. and Hades bursts out with his six black horses and he drags her down. I thought you were going to say his six pack. <laughs> Maybe, um, well, I mean, he's going to be I a mean, god. Isn't I think he's pretty ripped in every version you see him, and he's pretty ripped. So. He's going to be pretty like. I think he's like the dark bad boy. <laughs> Like the sort of chap you don't really want to take home to your mother, but you want to take him home. Yeah, you just um, you want to be in a dark room with him for a couple of hours, and oh, that's well, that that's Hades, right? He's yeah. in a dark room most of his yeah. life. Um, anyway, so she gets she gets grabbed and dragged down mm. into uh, the underworld, mm. and one of her nymphs, and I cannot remember her name, knowing that she can't get her back. She just dissolves into tears, but her whole physical being becomes the river Zion. That's her name. That's fucking. That's that's, that's it. Why. Yes, that's why. That's why she. The river is named after her. Yeah. See, in the versions, I've, there's versions that I've read because they're water mm. nymphs. They were within a certain area, and Persephone was playing with them. Yeah. Um, and for some reason, she wandered off away from the nymphs, um, and they couldn't leave this area because if they left, they would die. So the only one that was brave enough to go and rescue her was Zion. But because Zion left the, her safe space, she dissolved and turned into a river because of that. And then apparently, so many different variations on and this. And then because Dementor was so angry at the other nymphs that they didn't try and save Persephone, she 
punish them by turning them into, um, I think it was sirens. Yeah. Um, so making oh yeah, turning them into these feathery winged. Uh, yeah. So almost like beasts. so punishing them by turning them into something horrific and ugly. And but the River Zion was sort of treasured because she was the only nymph that went to try and save Persephone but couldn't because she then dissolved as she stepped out of this this space. Yeah. Um, so that's another version. Just I know I, I love hearing these different variations. Mm. And so in this uh, sort of in the Grecian story she gets mm. taken down and she is actually lovingly cared for. Um mm. and there's loads of gardens that Hades made for her and she's kind of taken in by the fact that Oh, actually, he's not such a bad guy. Mm. In one variation. Because mm. there's a lot of them. Yeah, yeah. And then Dermater is like, oh my god, where is my daughter? As you would be. Although, I'm thinking that she was quite, like, she was, like, probably in her late teens. Or, you know, like, early teens. And definitely old enough to not need a mother to... Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of... <laughs> and I'll talk about this in the modern interpretation when we discuss it later. Yeah. It's like this, almost like she wanted to keep her child as close to her as possible. Yeah, yeah. Uh, she, Persephone, is having, you know, a pretty alright time down below. But her mom is like, holy shit, she's not uh, paying attention to the world. She's not giving harvest or anything like that. She's just trying to desperately search for her daughter. She discovers that she's down, down there with Hades. Mm. And there are versions where... Zeus realises that this can't go on because yeah, obviously yeah. the world isn't being, you know, That's there's no it. growth, there's no crops growing and stuff, so he has to tell Hades that this can't go on. Yeah. Uh, and I think there's another version where the sun god, I can never, I keep getting it mixed up because we're t- talking Greek and Roman <laughs> mythology, but the sun god takes pity on Dementor and um, tells her that she's with Hades. So that's another ah, version. Yeah. So one version it's Zeus, in another version it's the sun god. Shedding light on a situation. Yeah. Yes. Because <laughs> he pities her. And then in near enough all the variations of the story that I could see, mm-hmm. there's this whole thing about how Hades gives her six or four mm. pips from a pomegranate. Yeah. Um, and they ideally represent the months but they say that in sort of greek mythology if you eat food from the person who gave it to you a bit like stockholm syndrome i guess yeah you'll forever come back to them Mm. no matter how far you go you'll always come back Mm. essentially there was this whole thing where uh, she goes back to her mum, but she can only go back for six months Mm. and then she goes back to hades for another six months but this has only come about because persephone herself agrees with her mum. she's like well she doesn't. Her mum does not agree with this. No, <laughs> at all. <laughs> her mum hates Hades. <laughs> some mad family uh, some resentment weird. here. Yeah. But because she's slightly fallen for Hades, mm. whether it be just the pips or the wonderful gardens that uh, he made her, because um, he's been grooming them gardens, <laughs> or his major six pack. Yeah. <laughs> she agrees to go down below, but um, neither one of them are happy. So because she keeps going back and forth. And thus you have the autumn and summer and spring and winter months, Yeah, apparently. They celebrated it, didn't they? Yeah. But what really got me, because obviously that is the Grecian story, the Roman story, right? Mm. So Jupiter, he essentially wins the throne of the world. And he decides to put all of the giants under Mount Etna in Sicily. Um, (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And Pluto, who's like, this can't go on for long because he's afraid the giants are going to break forward and Mm -hmm. make earthquakes and shit. So he keeps coming to the surface. On one of his surface trips, he goes to the river Zion and sees her playing with some of her maidens Mm. while they're picking, like, violets. 
And right. violets are like this major imagery about foresight and dreams and imagination. Ooh. <laughs> uh, which kind of goes hand in hand with it, because I mean, mm. this is very much a story about dreams. But anyway, he goes and he takes her forcibly mm. and drags her back under the mountain. Mm. And she doesn't want to be there. That's the other side of it for Romans. Mm. It's only when... See, I've read a variation on the yeah. 80s Persephone story, which sounds more like that. So the reason that she only ate well, however many pomegranate seeds is because she was ref- so sad, she missed her mother so much that she was refusing to eat and drink. Really? And that was the only thing Hades could convince her to eat and drink. He was watching her waste away and he loved her. He was Because it was love at first sight for him. Yeah. In pretty much any variation of the story, he, wanted, he desired her so much that he couldn't bear to see her wasting away. And that was the only thing he could convince her to eat. Oh. So that kind of like ties in with that version as well doesn't yeah, it yeah yeah it really does so in the obviously the roman version mm. she is called Prosepina. Mm. Pr- Prosepina? <laughs> terrible at these words um you might need to google them after but you'll you'll get it fun fact though mm. persephone the actual meaning of that word mm. is to emerge or to creep oh, forth which makes sense if she's yes. emerging from the underworld and then yeah. it's spring emerges yeah that yeah. makes sense bulbs emerge from the ground Amazing. See, <laughs> we making, know, we know. It's all making sense, folks. Pluto is like, right, okay, well, I'm going to take you back to your mother for some reason that I cannot remember. I'm terrible right now. And he decides, well, I'm going to have my way with you before mm-hmm. I take you back. Mm-hmm. And that's where the whole idea of the rape side of it comes in from. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, he is infatuated with how beautiful she is and no one else would date him. Like, no one wanted to live under the mountain. And so when he finally, like, caught this gorgeous woman, he was like, well, I'm going to have you for a bit. Mm, but you don't want to do it, so I'm going to force myself on you. Mm. So, I mean, to have these really iconic, entrenched stories mm. in our society that are about the passions of love, but it being driven in a different way that it should be, and it kind of being accepted yeah. in a story. Dark undertones. Yeah, yeah, really, really dark. And, I mean, these these stories are, like, thousands of years old Mm. it's a bit of a wild take on our whole uh, love stories theme for this episode but i think it really does uh, translate doesn't it yeah there's something well i suppose it's more kind of like how things were seen in different times and Mm. when we go on to when we start discussing more the art pieces themselves you'll see sort of the difference in like the modern take and the historical take on it let's go on to the art piece this amazing story has an amazing piece of artwork mm-hmm. and i mean i'm a massive fan of Benini. if you haven't ever looked at him please type that shit in right now beautiful pieces he was living around sort of the late 15th early 16th century a lot of roughs a lot of italian clothing you think art history he's he's the guy who's there and this piece was commissioned mm by a guy who owned the Borghese Gallery. Um, And I can't remember his first name, but Borghese, or Borghese, um, he commissioned a hell of a lot of shit from Benini. He was like, I see you as a protege, you make me this, you make me that, and Benini was like, yeah, because he he was genuinely like like a show Like, damn boy, I can do this. He loved himself so much. Oh my god. (laughs) Sounds like a lot of men I know. Yeah, and I mean, to be to be honest, he had the talent. Mm. I mean, he really fucking it stoked. Like, it was like hot shit, but he knew he was hot shit. That's the problem. Yeah. Yeah. He had a marvellous way of mm-hmm. carving marble to look supple, mm-hmm. to look soft. That's the thing when you look at his pieces. It literally looks like you could touch it and you, it would feel like skin. It's incredible, the detail on his pieces. And this piece in particular, the rape of Proserpina with Pluto, the definition of the, the fingerprints mm-hmm. on her thigh grabbing her back 
You can uh, see the force. Yeah, can't you? yeah. You can see it. He's it's... he's lifting her, but grabbing her at the same time, and her arm is outstretched, reaching it's forward. It's a dynamic piece. The movement in it is incredible. Yeah. And the most amazing thing as well that absolutely launches itself out of the art time period of where it was, mm-hmm. because at that time it was like mannerism which was essentially like high renaissance. So Mm. everything's really pretty, everything's really flat, but really elaborate, you know. Michelangelo was kind of like way before, but that was kind of, you know, everything. But they never really made things 3D, and they never showed emotion. Mm. But this piece of artwork, you have her tear Mm. coming down. That was like beyond anything Mm. that had been done before. Genuinely, a single tear. It was revolutionary in those (laughs) times, yeah. He saw something, what could be done within art, that had never been done before. And he that put the emotion back into that piece, with that piece, didn't he? Yeah. Which brings new life to the story, because you're realising, this is wrong. Well, yeah, because yeah. you can... I mean, it's one thing just seeing, like, a 2D drawing that didn't have any emotion, mm. when it's like, when they're using those models that just look look a little bit forlorn and stuff. Yeah. But when you see it in that detail... That it, it makes you there. can feel it like in your chest when you look at it and you think that was a young girl and she's being abducted and it's terrifying and sad and and you can really see uh, the emphasis on the fact that she is so much younger than him mm. he's got a huge beard mm. um huge hair and he's buxom muscular older and he is forcibly grabbing her down and you can feel the emotion like the sculpture invites you mm. to walk around it to be a part of the sort of dynamic angles of it mm. oh, whatever I've... angle you look at it from it's you could, there's so many new things to find every time yeah. you look at it i totally forgot that there's like a dog at the bottom of it as well i was like <laughs> Of course, there's a dog at the bottom of it. I would really love to know the meaning of that dog. Did Pluto have a dog? Do you think, or he, or maybe it was well, just? I don't know because Hades did have a three-headed dog, but Cerberus. But then he was huge. Wasn't yeah, he? yeah. This so is just I... like a little dog. But the dog is also kind of like in the movement as well. So you unless know. it was something that Sophie was with at the time, mm, maybe who knows? Yeah. But I don't I remember would... a dog being any of the variations <laughs> of the story. Maybe, no, it was like, maybe it was like a secret joke that Benini had. Yeah. It was like an in joke he had with a friend, possibly. Yeah. Um, like, go on. If you lose <laughs> like, this bet, you're gonna have to put that fucking dog in that sculpture. <laughs> and and he was like, go lives. on, then, mate. Let's go for it. <laughs> the dog lives on forever now. Yeah. That it's in sculpture. <laughs> maybe he just sublim. Maybe he had a pet dog that he loved. And he subliminally snuck it into as many sculptures mm. as physically possible. Maybe we've not noticed the dog and it's in all his sculptures. Oh my god, yeah, maybe there's like really tiny dogs everywhere. <laughs> We're going to have to go back and look at all of Benini's sculptures. Oh my god, I, I will happily do that. Another thing as well with Benini is mm. that he... I mean... <laughs> Sorry, that's my throat making weird noises as I get the Bulmer's beer bubbles stuck in it. Yeah, how is that going down? Is that going it's down It's fine. Right? Uh, it's fine now. I've already had a cider that I do like. Um, mm. This one tastes fine. That's another trick, isn't it? Yeah. Have a drink you do like so that you can <laughs> enjoy the ones you don't. Well, this that, that's true because like when we spoke about this in the last podcast, but when we went out on our night out for the first time in four years, we've just said that I hate beer. On that night out, for some reason, I drank half a pint of Rosie's beer, and I hate beer. But, oh, yeah. But then um, it might have been because it was such bad beer, it just tasted like water, so it wasn't from... But anyway, <laughs> I like that. I like that we, just ha- we get to have continuity with our episodes. Mm-hmm. Like, talking about it last week, talking about it this talking week. Talking about it again. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, Benini. 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 He had such an amazing view and vision when it came mm. to his sculptures. He did something that only maybe a couple of other more recent sort of known artists would have done. He looked in the mirror one night 
and he was like, oh, I need to see what I look like when I'm in pain. Mm. And he burned himself with his torch that he had in his room, and he was looking in the mirror, and he made a sculpture out of that. Can you imagine? I mean, it's not it's quite it's not a drawing, it's, it's a sculpture, so he spent time. It's not a pleasant one to look at, it's either. Yeah. It's uncomfortable when you look at that one. Yeah, and it's about capturing a moment, the absolute climax of a moment mm. in time, within, sculpt, within sculpture, within marble. I mean, they didn't have photography back then, folks. I mean, so he's trying to remember this image in his brain and turn it into marble, and I mean, I've never chipped marble before myself, but the fact that this man <laughs> can get such beautiful, smooth details on it, like, yeah. and capture that moment so perfectly, I mean, like, that's... That... He, he makes everything supple. You're under this illusion that if you were to touch it yourself, it would give, mm. like a normal body would. Mm. What I love about it, I've always been a massive fan of Benini. Mm. He was in probably my favourite time period of history as well when it mm. came to art. Not like for the, the, the broad scope of art, because I wasn't massively into mannerism or mm. high renaissance. Um, there's always a place for it, but you know, yeah. favourites. But he was like at the forefront of what Baroque was, adding individualism and uh, passion into mm. work and making it visible. And it's always fun looking through time and seeing the people who have done that, mm. who have inspired people ahead of them. Mm. I mean, I love it when you get to see two supple bodies in the throes of something, regardless of what it is. Whether it's anger or passion. Yeah. And when it's, when it's represented so beautifully you mm. can recognize it for the emotions that are actually involved yeah i think because it is so realistic in that sense you can really get that feeling that this woman is in danger and yeah. she is not happy and i mean it's it's, it's despair almost in her face at that point Do you and know it, what I mean? it's storytelling mm. in one image mm. in one physical image that you can go and you can walk around and you can be a part of and that's the, the scene thing. you might not know the story of Hades and Persephone or yeah. Persephone and Pluto. Yeah. But however you say the, the the Roman version, but just looking at that piece with no context, no name, you can you can feel see it. See and you can feel the emotion in it and you can see the distress and in her and the desire in him and it's dark and it's deep. Yeah, dark. there's a lot of emotion in it and without knowing any of the context, I think you would just get that just from looking at that yeah. piece. I get moved by pieces like this. She also gets teary when she's drunk, folks. <laughs> and it's such a nice bit. <laughs> he is one of my favourites. Hand in hand with some of my others, but he, mm. he is definitely one of the top. And um, I love his passion. And that somehow he always managed to weave passion and violence together within work. Mm. You know? And I don't know what it is about that. I think we're fascinated by crime we're fascinated by the darker side of life art is probably yeah. the, for the, the is at the forefront of exploring that mm. and having it being unbiased as well it's an emotion it's a feeling mm. it doesn't have to be under sort of political rule yeah. you know so yeah i i like it i like that's a yeah, big thumbs she, up from me she likes it if you haven't got that already <laughs> folks she likes this piece and do you know what so do i i think yeah. it's a beautiful piece of sculpture if you want to yeah go check benini out if you mm -hmm. ever get an opportunity to see his pieces in person we both highly recommend it they're mm -hmm. very dynamic very evocative um, yeah yeah you get a lot from them and if you want to see a shit ton of his stuff the Borghese Gallery is still around mm -hmm. four five hundred years later mm -hmm. go to italy Go to the Borghese Gallery and you will see infinite works of art by him and other people as well. And also you get to go to Italy, you know? Like, I, oh, I, that's one of the places I desperately want to go to. 
I've never been myself. No, so. I haven't either. We'll go together. Yeah. And then we could do a podcast there. Yeah. <laughs> that sounds great. Oh, yeah, Italy has loads of alcohol too. Yeah. I think we'll be fine. So, All right then, dear. On the contrast to that, I decided, because originally when we were looking at the Hades Persephone story, I was going to choose maybe a Renaissance version of the paint of painting of it. Mm. Um, and then I thought, well, actually, it might be quite nice to contrast with something really modern, which is what we discussed. Um, so I decided to go for something, as I mentioned earlier in the podcast, within the last 10 years. And it's tricky because, obviously, you find all sorts of stuff on the internet when you start looking for things. <laughs> You're going into um, deviant art, it's like, woo, yeah, so, so much going on. If you don't know what deviant art is, it's a great platform. Me and Rosie used to be on there a oh, very yeah. long time ago. I can't yeah. even... 2005, 2004? Yeah, I mean, and there's oh, yeah. some very bad pieces by me on there. Some people yeah. have gone all the way with DeviantArt, you know? They like, have, though. They so have made a career. Super successful on there, but like mm. like us, we were just... <laughs> we weren't those people on there. <laughs> we're like, one day we'll be famous. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Nearly 30. Oh, yeah. Um, so just before I go into my piece, I'd just like to bring up some weird shit I think about the Hades Persephone story. And just with the Greeks in general, I mean, like, you can Google the Greek god's family tree now good hades hades was also so hades and zeus and poseidon were all brothers but dementor was also their sister (laughs) and dementor and zeus who are brother and sister are the parents of persophony so oh my god so there's dementor and zeus who are brother and sister had persophony as their child and then hades is their brother and wants to and is in love with persophony so there's some weird shit going on here already Do do you think that's why they're all so crazy they're all just fucking nuts. Yeah. And then there's a later part in the story where, for some reason, Zeus disguises himself as Hades and has sex with Dementor. Not Dementor, sorry. Where um, Zeus disguises himself as Hades in a version of this story and um, ha- has intercourse with Persephone and they produce a child together. So there's some weird shit this, going on this, in here. This is like the typical don't do as we do scenario here. Yeah, and when you look at the family tree, the amount of lines and dotted lines that goes between all the different... it Yeah, it's... it's that is not a standard family tree. No, it's mad when you look at it. It's absolutely fucking mad. You Google Who is it. at the top top? Well, at the top top, it was the original god, so Chaos, the Void, was, yes. the, was the first one that came in, in Greek mythology. And then it was followed by lots of other uh, things. So um, it then followed on to uh, Tartanus, Gaia, Eros, Erebus, Nyx. Um, and then it fed on to... There were different kind of levels, which then fed on to like, the levels of the Titans, mm. who were kind of before... Um, they defeated the one their, their parents, essentially, didn't they? Yeah, so like Cronus and... It, it, Oh, it's a cyclops. It's all very. <laughs> when you look at it, it's really complicated. Super complicated. And how they came up with this, I have no idea. But oddly romantic. I mean, it's like. In like a weird, like, you know, brother loves sister, oh uncle, uncle shags niece kind of way. I mean, it's a little bit. I mean, I know they were pretty, like, chill back in the day, but it's all a bit odd when you think about it by modern day standards. Anyway, back to the piece I've chosen. Because you've not seen the piece I've chosen. I haven't, I no. know the piece you've you chosen know. because I know oh, yeah, you've been I, I didn't piece. even have to show you You didn't have to show me the piece, piece I know right. and love. There we go. So I've got a piece that I've chosen that was, as I say, done within the last 10 years. Um, in fact, it was produced in 2009. The reason I chose this piece is because even though it's done, it was done in 2009, it has this vibe of a Renaissance painting. Isn't it beautiful? So this piece I found on DeviantArt. Now, the original artist on DeviantArt is known as Dulcita, um, spelt D-U-L-C-E-T-A. 
Now, when you go onto her profile, she only has this one post. Her new profile on there is Orleans Flower. Now, I've tried to find her on Instagram, I've tried to find her on Twitter, and I can't locate her. So if Orleans Flower from DeviantArt, if you ever hear this, then please send us your details that will be on our Instagram and we link at the end of our blog post mm -hmm. because we'd love to give you the credit you deserve because this piece is absolutely beautiful. So it's called Hades and... Hades and Persophony <laughs> by yeah. Dulcita on DeviantArt. And to describe it to you, it's this really intimate scene. So it looks like the pair of them are in a cave. They look like lovers. She's this beautiful maiden draped in cloth, dark hair, fair skin. And Hades is a completely different version of Hades. He's this it's... younger man, vibrant. And they're sharing this really intimate moment, I think. And this is kind of what I want to talk about as well with the modern versions and the romanticising of things. Mm. in as things go through history and like we were talking about things change don't they mm -hmm. you know we were talking coca-cola and the red santa <laughs> um obviously this is a bit different because we're talking about some serious stuff here but in this version of Hades and Persephone it's this really intimate soft moment and they're together kissing and even in fact in this moment of them kissing Persephone is holding what I can see as a pomegranate in her hand yes so yeah. it's almost like she's saying I will stay with you when I can. One of the versions I was reading earlier was Persephone came to the underworld with Hades and even though he kidnapped her, she realised that actually he was lonely and actually quite kind and she fell in love with him. But she desperately missed her mother as well because, again, we spoke about it earlier, but in the some of the modern interpretations of it, Dementor was actually a very overbearing, she loved her daughter and she was really <laughs> precious, but to the point where she tried to like, she kept her with her at all times, mm. like all times she was with her. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a little bit of an odd kind of yeah, concept. It makes a little bit of sense, all those crazy like uncles and... <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it, it makes sense because they're all kind of nuts. A lot of mo modern things, it's like the mother was overbearing and protective and Hades and her actually did love each other, but because she missed her mother so much, she ate these six seeds so that she could be with her mother six months of the year and then with Hades six months of the year. And we've already spoken a lot about the different versions of this Hades and Persephone story, so I'm not going to go too much into the detail of that. But I just thought this was a nice contrast in the fact, as we were saying, that a lot of modern stories do romanticise this idea of this dark, mysterious man mm. taking an innocent, young... <laughs> beauty and like you know and she she falls for him and he already loves her and she unlocks something in herself but it is a beautiful piece i mean it's beautifully done i believe it's acrylic really um yeah i mean you would think it was oh, oil wouldn't yeah. you looking at it but i believe when i did my research it was acrylic i wonder how big it is do you know I think it i don't think it was very big i'm pretty sure because i mean a piece, a piece like that would look amazing it, the detail sort. in it is fantastic i mean we will post this on our instagram mm -hmm. account so you can actually look at it and it looks like it's in a cave and there's the beautiful shadow and light and i mean where they're sat within this cave it kind of, i mean it does sort of look like water but it could just be the sunlight bursting through mm. this opening there's a wonderful um a sense of proportion in this there's a complete dynamic line mm from one corner to the next, mm. throughout it, and mm. everything follows that. That's what really makes a beautiful painting so much of the time. And I think why I liked it as well is because, again, because I chose it because it had a Renaissance vibe, because I thought that was kind of cool, but like the way you were talking about like Benin sculpture is stone and it's hard, but it's also soft. And the way, the detail she's put into this picture, like when you look at the fabric of Persephone's dress, it's beautiful, the amount of detail, but this whole image at the same time is still really soft. Even yeah, though they're I mean, in this cave, it's rock, it's hard, you know, but it's still soft. 
I think it's I think it might be to do with the light mm. in it. It kind of um brings this halo around even mm. her clothes. Yeah. And I mean the light is predominantly directly shining on the pomegranate and their heads. Like mm. you can see these two sort of prominent lines coming out of the light there. Her eyes are shut, but I mean his could theoretically be open, couldn't they? They could be. I mean I think they probably are shut, but they do look a little bit like they're open in this. Mm. But her face is a face of it's not a face of fear, it's not a face yeah, of Yeah, she doesn't look terrible. Sadness. In fact it's a face of tenderness and caring and love in this moment that she's sharing with this person that she's with. Mm. And it's like the complete opposite to like the, the you know, Yeah, the, the tail. Original, do you know what I mean? <laughs> Um, I have just double checked the measurements. It was twenty four by thirty inches on acrylic with acrylic. Oh, so not that big, really. No, but you can imagine this being a poster being beautiful. In fact, I think if you go onto it, it might be possible to buy it as a poster. Don't quote me on that. But if you please <laughs> go and check out Dolcita on Deviant Art to see this piece, we will share it. If anybody knows the Twitter or the Instagram handle, let us know where she please, is. Please. <laughs> Let us know, because we would like to credit her, as I say, her new name on DeviantArt, because it says on her old profile, her new one is Orleans Flower. She's an American-based traditional artist. I mean, this picture just, it just, when I looked at all the modern art pieces of it, just stood out to me. Mm. Um, I mean, and when you look at a lot of the other modern art pieces, kind of going with this idea that the modern ones are romanticised, there's a lot of these things where... Again, Hades is this dark but handsome rogue mm. almost. All dressed in black. All dressed in black. Covered in fire. Like a at the raven, times. you yeah. know. He's very kind of like regal but dark and untouchable. Well, I mean, and Persephone is he, this... he looks like the, the dark poet, doesn't he? Yeah, and in, I mean, in some of them, he's like all clad up in this armour and he's glorious mm. and tall. And... He's but... All, but he's always handsome with this young face. And Persephone is this pure light and she like touches and softens mm. his heart. What I've really noticed with this painting mm. is the fact that her hair is darker than his. Mm. I mean, Which in a lot of other versions, she's yeah. blonde or like a strawberry blonde mm. or a very light brunette, and Hades is dark and rough and yeah. roguish. But in this, I mean, she's he, like he he looks like a boy. Mm. I mean, they look like they're in young love. Yeah, that it, it could be Romeo and Juliet. You yeah. know, like if you didn't know the title, mm. so it's a completely different take on it, and it it's really like that striking contrast between mm. like the variations of the story and the modern romanticism, and also it shows how much. Um, Giving a name to something mm. evokes a whole other story. Mm. So yeah, that's why I chose this piece, and it's it's very different from the Benini piece. Completely contrasting, <laughs> but like, based so but, different, but based on the same story. But they've still got this uh, tenderness to them, mm. even even in the throes of like you know sort of tumultuous grabbing mm. of Benini. All what anyone ever focuses on mm. with Benini is the tenderness. Of how the hand yeah. grips into the thigh, mm. which is like why? Ju I mean, it's beautiful, but that's not the entire piece, no. right? Here. <laughs> but yeah, so that that's why I chose this piece, and I hope that when you have a look at it, that you enjoy it too, and you look at the contrast between the Benini and this, and you'll see what we're talking about. But yeah, it's fascinating to look at the differences of stories, and it's like you know, people probably know about this, like you know, like old children's stories like they get to you know mm. like little red riding hood had a darker version of it and now it's kind of been like changed and it's kind of like that but in like a, di a different kind of way like it's been interpreted differently mm. the reader mm. and what they take from it and mm. when they pass that story on mm. you know it's kind of like almost chinese whispers yeah the story kind of changes as it goes mm. and what makes most the most sense to them mm. 
is passed on or what's the most bizarre about that story kind of gets stuck Mm. in and uh, sort of carried on and I think um, that's why we have so so many different perceptions of this story quickly before we move on to our recommendations and we wrap up the episode just sort of (laughs) sticking with the Persephone Hades thing I was looking I did want to know kind of like the relevance of pomegranate in Greek mythology the thing is I've read different kind of ooh do tell I've read different things so one variation is that a pomegranate was known as the fruit of the dead. Um, another variation was that it was the symbol of life and rebirth. Ooh. And another thing was that it's given at weddings because it's a sign of good luck, fertility and prosperity. So there's lots of different kind of versions of this. Oh, the Romans and the Greek, they love all that fertility stuff, uh, Yeah, they're going back to that fertility again. <laughs> but again, so like the way that the story varies, there's mm. these different meanings even within its own, yeah. within its own culture. So it's like really interesting when you start looking into it. And I mean, you could read things for hours and days like weeks on oh yeah i mean things. essentially it's a story isn't it so yeah. there's always going to be a different meaning and a different uh, scenario for mm-hmm. each and every chapter and verse of this tale mm. i think that's kind of the joy of it yeah i mean who wants to hear the exact same story again and again mm. we love uh, sort of breaking it down yeah. and seeing what means what mm. um and I, I think especially with these two pieces mm. they absolutely highlight mm. how different those two things can be yeah that uh, yeah. mic drop yeah <laughs> so i love this piece i love the Benini piece i love this piece so yeah but it's beautiful so whoever you are elizabeth please <laughs> If anybody knows Elizabeth from DeviantArt, Dulcita, tag, or tag, Orleans tag. Flower, this image was posted in 2009. Please, please send us her details. Ten years ago. This this woman has been around ten years. And this painting. painting is beautiful. I wonder what she paints now. I'd can love you see, to see on her other account? You can, but there's not a lot of things recently, so I'd mm. love to see what she's been doing in recent years. I, I bet that she's like a top-notch like lawyer or an accountant or something, and she does this in like her spare time. Oh, I mean, <laughs> I mean, good for her that she can do both. But I mean, I know. I'm like, I'd love to see like what else she can do because this is incredible. If this was mm. her ten years ago, I'd love to see what she's doing now. I would love Beautiful to as well. So, before we carry on nattering about how much we love these pieces, <laughs> should we wrap it up with our recommendations for the week? Absolutely. Um, yeah, so mine goes hand in hand with uh, Benini mm-hmm. and all of his beautiful sculptures. Mm-hmm. I mean, oh, oh, so beautiful. This is something that uh, I have kept with me for a really long time, mm-hmm. ever since I was given it at like a Christmas one time. Mm-hmm. And basically it's called The Power of Art mm-hmm. by Simon Shammer. Okay. And I'm sure I've told you I'm about. Pretty sure yeah, you've told me yeah. about this before. Probably like every year, I'm like. She Ooh. tries to sneak it in, like whenever she can. <laughs> every year, I'm like. So have you have you seen this episode? <laughs> I don't think I've seen any of the episodes. Oh my god! So we're probably gonna have to have a oh binge. My god. Otherwise, okay. Rosie's never gonna leave me alone. Okay, so it's a, a it's a BBC thing, mm-hmm. um, and I mean the BBC do a wonderful array of documentaries, mm-hmm. especially when it comes to art. And they make it so relatable. Yeah. And this guy is sensational with how he describes things. He's literally like this sort of words just fall out of his mouth in this really poetical mm. way. And he describes each and every uh, sculpture and painting in like this really energetic, dynamic, sort of film-like way. Mm. Honestly, like watching it, I was like, oh, and is it easily accessible as well? Um, see, this in is the thing. Sense- I'm not sure because I I sent a link uh, to. I mean, in the sense of the way it's filmed. So, like, oh. so does he kind of <laughs> I was represent? Like, Where did you find this shit? No, no. I was more kind of like, is it easy accessible? So, if you were a viewer, because 
the theme of like one of the reasons we wanted to make this podcast we mentioned last episode is that we want art to be accessible to the masses. Oh, well. So then. does he make it accessible to the masses? He, he makes it accessible, digestible, you eat this anytime you're hungry. He is so good. I know that he's done some other things. Mm-hmm. This is probably the the most interesting thing to me, purely because mm-hmm. he goes through various artists throughout history. Mm. So he does Caravaggio, mm. and he does Benini, and he does Van Gogh, Goff, Van Gogh, and he does... Um, Rothko. <laughs> oh, oh, Rothko. We're going to be digging him in every now and then. And he does all these phenomenal artists, and he, mm. he talks about their work, and he talks about um, the energy of them, and he talks mm. about the actual artist's life. Yeah. And he does it in such a way that you're captivated. Mm. So, as a recommendation, and it's probably like, well, I think it's about 15 years old now. Um, but still relevant. Yeah. Uh, like, if you're interested in art and you don't know where to start, it's a good place to start because yeah, it's if, easily digestible. And also, if, if you're going into a fine art or, or actually any art degree and you want to have a little bit of background... Always good. Rent this DVD out if people still rent. I think you can still find this, like, online. I found a link to it and I sent it to someone because I was like, you should watch this. <laughs> it wasn't me, but um, I imagine I'll be getting that email any it, day now. Yeah, but it wasn't a very good quality. So I... If you've got a spare 20 quid, go and buy this, because it's a, it's a box set series. Um, he talks about so many different artists, mm. but it's called The Power of Art by Simon Shammer. I'll, I'll link it in our Instagram post, but, I mean, it's probably, like, 2005 that it was made, mm. and, honestly, it's still as relevant today as it was back then. She's she's, she's hand-gesturing. She's so excited about I, it. I'm so thrilled we got to talk about, like, ancient, glorious mm. art today. Very nice. Yeah. What's your recommendation? My recommendation? Well, funnily enough, again, mine ties in. So I've been reading an online webcomic um, that's published on Webtoons. It's called Lore Olympus. And it's actually a modern interpretation of the Hades Persephone story. And it's really interesting when you see it. It's kind of hard to describe because, like, Hades is the lord of the underworld. But, like, he's a man in a business suit and the underworld (laughs) is, you know, there's this big office. And do you know what I mean? I love that interpretation. Persephone is, like this 19 year old student who's done really well who's going into the work world and it's there's all kind of things going on in it um so it's this very odd interpretation but it's brilliant beautifully drawn um it's by the artist rachel Smythe, and as i say it's on webtoons you can find it on their website they also have an app so if you like prefer to have it through an app mm-hmm. you can download the webtoons app um, and you can find Rachel Smythe, I hope I pronou- I'm pronouncing your surname <laughs> right, Rachel, um, at usedbandaid on Instagram. And then on Twitter, she's at used underscore bandaid. So if you want to go and check her work out, um, if you want to read Laura Olympus, then I would do. That's one of the reasons I've been interested in the Hades Persephone story, because mm. I wanted some more background on the original origins. Yeah, I've been really enjoying her webcomic, so that's my recommendation for this week. I think it ties nicely into the It theme. really does. I'm going to go and follow it right now. Yeah. <laughs> Genuinely. Yeah. That sounds amazing, and I really want to read that. Yeah, I think you'll enjoy it. Yeah, Good, good comic, good webcomic, beautifully done. <laughs> really nice style, different to a lot of the things I've seen. She's got beautiful, mm. uses colour beautifully in a really striking way, I think. I love it when uh, like comic artists really know how to use colour. Beautiful. And this version of it, it like humanises all of the characters as well. They're all very relatable for different things. They've all got different personalities that kind of tie into like their traditional personalities, but it humanises them in a way because yeah. you know more about them as like that kind of character. Um, Which, ironically, is exactly what the Vikings did with mm. their gods. They yeah. believed that their gods would just like walk among them, you mm. know. They would sleep with that person and whatever yeah. with that person and have a beer with whoever mm. they were doing. And 
essentially the same with like Greek mythology too, mm. and well, maybe not, maybe not so much the Romans because I think Romans kind of like more forward thinking. Yeah, ironically with them being planets, but yeah, <laughs> um, yeah, like kind of making them more personable. Mm. Yeah, well. So, yeah. I'm gonna give it a, a read. Yeah, so go go <laughs> check them out again. We'll everything will be linked in our Instagram post. Absolutely, and we're gonna be starting to post regularly as well. We're gonna uh, post podcast episode every Friday now, mm-hmm. aren't we? Yeah, yeah. So I mean, this one is obviously a day after Valentine's, so we hope you had a lovely Valentine's. Whether you know, you're single in a relationship, even if you don't like Valentine's yeah. Day, we hope you still had a good day because everybody needs to have a good day. And even if you're not celebrating Valentine's, I hope you've had a good day because everybody absolutely yeah. I mean, have a good day anyway. Doesn't matter whether you're single in a group relationship or whatever. You know, if you're not celebrating it, if you're celebrating it, do whatever <laughs> you want. We don't judge. Go to Wangaramas, have a dinner. Have a great time. If you're happy on the sofa, chilling at home, not giving a damn about the world, I respect you, girl. Yeah, and if you're just, you know, chilling, uh, going and researching all the recommendations that we just said, that is also fabulous. Have a great time. <laughs> um, so. so, yeah, we'll be posting regularly on the Instagram, mm-hmm. which is at uh, Drunk Art Review. Yeah. Nice and easy to find, just the same as us. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, the podcast will be posted to my personal website mm-hmm. that that's kind of the, the thing for now maybe we'll do something in the future which is a little bit different but it will be www.rosielove uh, r-o-s-i-e-l-a-h dot com forward slash drunk art review <laughs> the link to the website it will be on our instagram so yeah, if you can you find can our find instagram it. you can find the links to the podcast post um and a cool thing as well um next week we've got a cool theme but we've also got a guest as well our first guest our on first our first guest which is pretty exciting <laughs> we're only three episodes in and we've got a guest i know um we're gonna keep it on the down low for now even though we know who it is Oh, we know who it is, yeah, but you have no yeah. idea. Um, but we will uh, release that info later on. Time. So where can they find you, Rosie, if, they, if anyone they, wants to hook up with you? If they want to find me? Yeah. If they, they want to say hi? Yeah. <laughs> well, on Instagram, I'm at Rosie Love. Uh, the same spelling with the L-A-H at the end. Um, and on Twitter, it's at Rosie La Studio. Because... I think a lot of myself, mm. even though I don't do any work. <laughs> she does work. She's being modest. Um, and also my website, which is the same as well, yeah. rosylar.com. And yeah, you can find me that way. How can they find you? You can find me on my personal Instagram and Twitter. So my personal Instagram is at jennifer.ellen.kemp. I know it's a mouthful. <laughs> and then on Twitter, because you can't put a, cert- a username in quite as long as that, it's at Jen, J-E-N-N, underscore Ellen, underscore Kemp. Yeah. Um, Get to so the yeah. Point. yeah, that's, it's like, that's who you are. That's me. On point. So yeah. you can find me on there. But again, our personal accounts are linked on the bio of the Drunk Art Review. So if yeah. you wanted to contact one of us directly, I mean, both of us have access to the Instagram account, so you could contact us through Drunk Art Review. Both you, of us have dogs. You know, if you wanted to go and see some stuff that's going on, <laughs> if you want to go see Rosie's work, if you want to come and see our dogs that we're always chatting about, just just go and have yeah. some fun we like interacting it's good you know if you've got any suggestions anything <laughs> that you want to chat about related to the episodes any you know if you want to help us find out these artists that we're trying to credit that i can't find any more oh, details yeah. on her, yeah. please send me elizabeth's details <laughs> but you can find us there we're we're always about yeah i'd love to travel back in time and meet benini that'd be great we will probably end the podcast <laughs> on that note <laughs> all right well so glad that you guys uh, dropped by Um, And we'll see you next time. Yeah, see you next week with our guest. Bye. (laughs)